This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai. There's joy in every journey. This is Chris Fetters of Dogman.com, and I'm here with our recruiting editor, Scott Eklund. We are here. We've made it through the first day of the normal signing period for the 2023 class, which was Wednesday. Uh, without too much fuss, I think uh, the two major pieces of news that we expected to happen did happen, and we'll go through those in order. Um, but first, Scott, I was just kind of curious and for your general thoughts, maybe on just how the 2023 class unfolded, and maybe what are your one or two real major storylines of this particular class? Well, um, you know, someone asked on the board, you know, they asked like five questions and one of them was what kind of ended up being where, what you thought was going to happen. And and I thought Washington would end up being in the you know top 25, top 30 in the country. Um, I thought that was a good spot for them. Um, you, you're talking about coaches that were coming from um, lower level power five schools like Jamarcus Shepard from Purdue, which is more of a mid-level um, Nick Sheridan from Indiana and Enoke Brechterfield from Vanderbilt. And then the other ones were coming from a group of five school at Fresno state. So, you know, a lot of these coaches didn't have relationships with the guys that were some of the top end guys that Washington would have had probably a better chance at um, had they, been around for a year longer. So um, I didn't think Washington was going to be able to get a lot of four and five star guys to even look at them, much less sign with them. In the end, they ended up with what, five or six? I didn't know seven, seven um, four star guys in the in the high school recruiting class. They got a couple uh, nice transfers that were uh, rated four stars as well. So um, you know, Washington ended up pretty pretty well. They ended up 30th overall in the country. Um, I guess that would be kind of my overall thought was this this class ended up kind of exactly where I thought it was going to be. They signed a few more defensive backs than I thought they were going to end up signing. I didn't think they would sign six defensive backs, but they did. And, um, you know, Washington, uh, obviously that that became a position of need for them. Um, as we look back on the 2022 uh, football season. And so it made sense that they would go out and get six guys. But at the beginning of the cycle, I didn't think that they were going to be taking six guys for the secondary. I thought maybe four, one at each position or, or a fifth if they wanted a swing guy that could play Husky, could play corner or safety. So, um, you know, that's kind of the storyline of or I'm sorry, the uh, overall general thoughts. The storylines were second straight year of no quarterback in the class. 
that could get rectified here pretty soon. Plus the porthole, the portal definitely is going to be a, a spot to keep an eye on for a new quarterback. And the other storyline I think is um, that Washington was able to finish off this class with some guy. You know, we're able to take some guys from some high-profile recruiting uh, schools and, at the end, and um, you know that that really bodes well for the future when they're going up against those same schools for more kids. Yeah, I think there's there's no question that they they've put together a really strong foundation. This was the full first full recruiting cycle for Kalen DeBoer and his coaches and Courtney Morgan. And, you know, you know, you mentioned the, the cornerbacks, for instance, the thing that that stood out for me about the cornerbacks is not just the, the quantity, but the quality. Three of the top four highly uh, the highest rated players in the class are defensive backs, starting with the top guy, Caleb Presley from Rainier Beach. So important to try to keep those top guys home. You know, we've seen it in the past with guys like JT, Tui Moloau, um, and Mekhaeg Buka, some of these other players that have gone on to other places. And, you know, who knows if that's going to continue at some point at a certain level. Um, if, but Washington, 11 wins last year, to be able to keep growing and keep moving forward, they've got to keep those top guys home. And keeping Caleb Presley home was a big part of it, especially winning that recruiting battle over Oregon. Um, but then Curly Reed from Louisiana, Vincent Holmes from down south in California. I mean, th- those are three of your top four rated guys, and they would have been the top three guys if it hadn't been for the player, the one player that signed, high school player, that signed with Washington yesterday, and that was receiver Tayshawn Lyons from the Bay Area, from the East Bay uh, in Hayward, California. So um, I thought that was a, a big storyline, but the other big storyline, I think it's the biggest storyline that you touched on, no quarterback. Mm-hmm. And for, for a class to be able to not have a quarterback for 2023, high school quarterback, and then top that on top of 2022, not signing a high school quarterback, yeah. that though you just don't see that anymore. That is just nope. so rare, so, so rare um, for a for a top, top program. Now, you you may be going through that vicious cycle of having to replace portal quarterbacks every single year, and Washington does not want to get into that situation. They still want to get into the process of finding top high school guys and developing them. And we will get to the, the, the quarterback, the main quarterback situation moving forward after the break, because there's certainly news on that that happened Wednesday as well. Um, but, yeah, I thought those were the two main storylines. The fact that there was no quarterback in this class. They had one in Lincoln Keenels, but he uh, obviously switched his commitment and signed with Ohio State. And then there was some late movement. There was a chance that maybe Jaden Rashada the top rated guy from out uh, from the West uh, West coast who had initially signed with Florida after a committing to Miami with a bunch of NIL implications, eventually uh, signed yesterday with Arizona state, a massive move for them with a new head coach and Kenny Dillingham. You know, that's, yeah, that's, that's a dream come true for a first year head coach is to get a guy of that quality. So a uh, big move for them. There was a thought that maybe Washington could move late on him because Rashad had always thought highly of Washington and Ryan Grubb and Kalen DeBoer, but it wasn't meant to be, um, you know, and we'll see. I think you're right, Scott. I think they'll sign a quarterback for 2023. I think they have to, but I don't think it's going to come before spring football. I think they're going to go through spring football with uh, Michael Penix Jr. and Dylan Morris being their only scholarship quarterbacks. And then they'll figure it out once the dust settles after spring football, yep. when a bunch yep. of guys move on. And then once a bunch of guys move on from other places, 
they'll have, you know, obviously I think they'll have their pick because they will be in a position to entice one, whoever might be uh, at the top of that list of transferring quarterbacks because of their situation. Mm -hmm. Uh, Unless you see, do you see it differently? No, no, I don't. I don't at all. They're not going to get anybody in for spring football. So people need to get rid of that, that thought and hope. Um, and cause what, from everything that I've been told, Washington is not even looking at the portal right now. I think they're, they're happy with where they're at. Um, they want to see, honestly, the best thing that could happen is just have two scholarship guys taking reps instead of trying to get that third guy reps and to, to help him in the battle. I mean, it, it's in, in some instances, it might be better for Dylan Morris to get more and more reps that a guy like Sam Heward would have taken or a guy that's another scholarship quarterback would end up taking. And so I think that's going to play, play, pay huge dividends down the road for Washington, whether Dylan Morris is the eventual starter for Michael Penix down the road. um, You know, once Penix leaves or if he is the number one backup and, and Penix gets hurt, you know, he's going to need those reps. And so I think that's huge. I think, that what they end up doing is they're going to end up probably signing a portal guy in uh, after um, spring football. There's that open window where guys can enter the portal from May 1st through May 15th. And I think that's when you're going to see that kind of stuff happen. So um, keep an eye on those things. We'll, we'll be all over that kind of stuff. But um, right now do not, I do not expect another scholarship quarterback to be on this roster before uh, spring football. Yeah, no, let, let's start to, you know, we talked, I talked a little bit about the local angle. Washington signed three local kids. Um, obviously, we talked about the top guy, Caleb Presley from Rainier Beach. They also signed a legacy recruit in Landon Hatchett, Garen Hatchett's younger brother. So he'll play right alongside Garen, likely, because he's he was, they've talked about the idea that this was Scott Huff's, perhaps his first ever true, true center um, commit. And so there's there's a very distinct plan in place for a guy like Landon Hatchett going forward. And then Jacob Lane, the edge player, big time athlete, big athlete, 6'5", 230 plus from uh, Emerald Ridge in Puyallup. How would you kind of rate their their in-state class? Well, I mean, you're always going to look at, you know, where where things wound up as far as, you know, the top guys from in the state. You know, Caleb Presley was one of those top guys, but Washington also wanted guys like Josiah Wagner. Um, he was a guy that they were working on very late in the process, trying to get him to come up on a visit. He stuck with his uh, commitment to Oklahoma. Uh, J- Jaden Lemar ended up at Oregon. Uh, you know, never a good thing. Washington, you know, I, I don't know how much they wanted Jaden Lemar, but, you know, they, they wanted to look at him and things like that. And he kind of. I don't want to say blew them off, but he definitely did not show Washington the interest that that was necessary for them to really pursue him harder. So those are two guys. Those, you know, Caleb Presley was the number one guy in the state Um, as far as the composite rankings are concerned. Jaden Lemar was second. Josiah Wagner was third. He's a cornerback out of uh, Spanaway Lake. He ended up Oklahoma. Jabari Johnson is a quarterback prospect out of Lincoln High School down there in Tacoma. You know, he ends up at Missouri and Washington made kind of a late push for him uh, when uh, Lincoln Keenholz, you know, uh, had had made his decision to flip. Washington made a little bit of a late play for him, but I, I honestly don't think they were that interested in him. I think they they felt like they had better options out there. 
Um, you know, uh, Micah Banuelos and Kate Eldridge, uh, one's got one guy's an edge or, or a tight end and one guy's, a an offensive lineman that's Banuelos. And those guys both end up at USC. Heath Oziata was a guy that Washington didn't even recruit and he's going to o- Oklahoma. So, you know, I, I mean, th- there were a lot of guys that ended up signing with power five schools and Washington just kind of was like, eh, th- some of them, they didn't even want Isaiah Carlson. Uh, running back linebacker out of Ferndale, um, you know, Landon Hatchett's uh, teammate. He ends up at UCLA. Washington didn't even really recruit him. They didn't recruit Oziata, like I mentioned. That was a guy who ended up at Oklahoma. He's out of uh, Mount Si. So in state, I think Washington got most of the guys that they would have liked. I think maybe a guy like Micah Banuelos would have been a guy that they would have taken. I don't know how much they loved him, but they liked him a lot and they would have taken him. But Josiah Wagner and Jaden Lemar are two guys. I think that Washington could have used in this class, but they just weren't able to get in the mix with those guys in the short time that the coaches had to make an impression on them. And so um, for for Washington to come in, get the top guy in state and Caleb Presley, get a the best lineman in the state and Landon Hatchett and the best edge guy in the state in Jacob Lane, I think they did okay. Um, you'd like to see him maybe do a little bit better, and I, I would expect that to happen here moving forward. Now, I don't want to go too far afield, but the, the running back recruiting, I think, is is really interesting. Um, Lee Marks is clearly looking for a very specific guy, a guy very different than what Keith Bonifa was looking for. And to give uh, Coach Bonifa credit, and, 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 and he, he was being asked to look for very specific guys for the offense that John Donovan wanted to run under Jimmy Lake. So his recruiting was was very different in that way. But I've also, you know, when you look at how many running backs that they've recruited out of the portal so far to almost completely remake that running back room, you know, they took three last year in Wayne Talapapa, uh, Will Nixon, and Aaron Dumas, and now they're gonna, they've, they've already recruited a couple more guys in Dylan Johnson from Mississippi State, Daniel uh, Angata from uh, Arizona State. It just seems to me that it's not like they're neglecting necessarily the running back room from a high school perspective because they got a really good one in Tybo Rogers, who they're extremely comfortable with. They they got to know Tybo really, really well when they were coaching down in Fresno. But I'm kind of wondering what your take is on how Lee Marks is remaking this running back room and how you think they might recruit running backs moving forward. Because the way I'm looking at it, and maybe this is just because this is what they had to do in order to quickly remake the room. But I also, I, I almost feel like the running backs in college are almost being treated the same way running backs in the NFL are being treated that, yeah, there might be some superstars out there, but don't sleep on some of the free agents that kind of move around a little bit. Cause all of a sudden those guys can break out and end up being stars too. Yeah. And so um, it's like, it just, yeah. they just kind of, they can move around and sometimes you get certain guys, but it, it almost feels like, the days of, go, of of trying to really locate, identify, and evaluate, and recruit a premier, premier running back at the high school level is is something that you would obviously love to do, but it doesn't necessarily feel like it's a requisite anymore. No, it really isn't. And and to be honest with you, you know, with the, with the portal missing on guys, missing on your top targets in in out of high school isn't the death knell that it used to be. Now, you want to build your team. It's kind of like the NFL. You want to build your team through the draft, but free agency is there to help you fill in holes. 
And in college football, you want to build your team from high school guys, guys who are going to buy into the program, be there for three or four years, five um, possibly, and God forbid we get another pandemic, you know, six years that you could have guys in your system. And that was one of the reasons I think Washington had a lot of success last year was because you had guys here that had been here for a long time and had bought into the program and, and were willing to give their blood, sweat, and tears for the program, whereas these you know, transfer guys, you know, nothing against them. Washington has had some really good transfer guys come in. Jeremiah Martin is uh, is a perfect example of those kind of guys. Wayne Talapapa in the one year that he was here was that kind of a guy. Uh, Cameron Bright was another one. Those were all guys who ended up captains on the on the team. And all of those guys were heavy contributors this past year. But you don't you don't want to be bringing in free quote unquote free agents every year. You want to be building from the from the high school level. And so, um, you know, as far as it goes with the running backs, you know, you've already mentioned Johnson and Nagata, and those guys are about you know Nagata is five nine about two hundred. Dylan Johnson is six foot about two hundred, and those guys have kind of the same running style that you see from Cameron Williams or I'm sorry, Cameron Davis. And, um, and, and so, you know, I, I just, I see those guys as a perfect fit in what Washington wants to do. Wayne Talapapa, honestly, he did not seem to fit when, when he showed up at Washington, I watched his highlight tapes and I was like, this guy does not fit what I think Lee Marks is looking for, but he was a he ended up being a perfect fit because he was so good in pass protection and he was a pretty good receiver out of the backfield and everything like that. Well, Nagata and Johnson are both really good receivers out of the backfield and combine them with Richard Newton and his running style, that tough, hard nosed running style that he has, that downhill running style. And then Cameron Davis with his ability in goal line situations, short yardage situations, and as a receiver out of the backfield, those four are going to make a really nice uh, you know, foursome at, at, at the tailback spot. And then you've, you've still got Will Nixon, Sam Adams, Tybo Rogers. And, and, um, and uh, you also have um, uh, trying to Richard uh, Aaron Dumas. So, you know, you've got seven, eight guys there at that position and it'll be real interesting to see how things end up working out at that position group, because I think that Washington, like you said, Chris, has really remade what that that room looks like. And they are not going for the 225 pounders anymore. They're they're more in line with the 200, you know, 190 to 210 pound guys that can catch the ball, can block and can and can find the hole. And and that's really what they they want to find. They don't want to found, find guys who are going to get you three yards in a cloud of dust. That isn't this offense. Yeah, no, there's no question about it. It's it's a totally different type of running back that they're employing that John Donovan would have wanted and the kind of guys that Keith Bonifaz was trying to recruit to Washington. And that's why you don't see JV on Sunday anymore. You don't see the other Texas guys that came up here. Anymore. Caleb Berry. Yep. Caleb Berry or um, uh, Emeka uh, Megwa. You know, it's I mean, some of these mm-hmm. guys that, that – that were in the, on the fringes a little bit, but it is kind of a trend, Scott, just in general, you, you really ran down the running back room. Well, but if you look at some of the holes that they needed to fill for this class and maybe some of the, some of the rooms that you would have thought would have been a little deficient, whether it was through graduation or general attrition, you know, the main ones I would have thought, okay, running back, you lose Talapapa, you need, you know, you've got other guys that have transferred out. You need to remake that one. They've done that. 
And then on defense, the, the two places that you really look at, you look at linebacker and you look at the defensive backs room, you already kind of rolled down the defensive backs room a little bit. And what they did is they really focused on the high school players. They got six defensive backs from high school, but then they also supplemented with an immediate guy in Jabbar Muhammad from Oklahoma State, who should be their version of Jordan Perryman this year, it, it, the way I'm reading Hopefully, hopefully he plays a little bit better, Stay, stays out of the injury tent. <laughs> Correct. But that's the idea yeah. is, is I think they're trying to just supplement with maybe one guy in the room for a transfer that could be an immediate impact guy. But again, they still really are focused on their foundation of being high school players. The other position I was going to say is line. You look at linebacker. They got Raylan Goforth from USC, who should be an immediate guy, a Cam Bright type guy. But then they also uh, created uh, some really intriguing ideas with the two high school linebackers they got in Jordan Whitney and especially Devin Bryant. Um, from say John Bosco, um, mm-hmm. guys that ne- not necessarily were the most highest rated kids, but came in with a lot of a lot of experience um, for high school players. I, I wouldn't say there's a lot of miles on the tires. I don't know if that's the right way to characterize it, but these guys are experienced players and guys that could end up, I think, potentially even playing as true freshmen because you lose a Daniel Haymuli, you you get certain guys back like Eddie Lufosio's back. That's huge. Um, but then you've also lost a couple guys with Bright and Hamuli and some of these, you know. So you've mm-hmm. you've got to mix and match some newer guys. And I think and more, I, I wouldn't count yeah. yeah I wouldn't count the freshmen at all in terms of uh, linebacker. What do you think about those guys? Uh, well, at linebacker, I mean, just for people that that weren't on the board yesterday or or didn't click on all the profiles that I posted yesterday, um, I rehashed the the guys who signed in December, and then we also added uh, Tayshawn Lyons also. Um, in, in our signing day profiles, but, uh, Devin Bryant, I can, you know, I I've talked to several scouts and everybody came up with the same thing. And it was Devin Bryant equates to Keyshawn Bieria when he was coming out of, of his out of high school. And then with Jordan Whitney, now he's a little bit taller, but not much. He's a little bit taller than Ben Burkirvin, but he's got the same game that Ben Burkirvin had. If you can get those types of careers out of those two guys, I think it's an A plus. Yeah. I mean, he, 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 I mean, Keyshawn Bieria, his final two years at the University of Washington, I think he posted over over 220 tackles, something like that, in, in his final two se- combined in his final two seasons. Devin Bryant, if you can get two seasons like that out of him, I, I think that's a huge win. Jordan Whitney, if he's like Ben Burkirvin, Ben Burkirvin had didn't he have the most tackles since uh, David Rill? Back in the uh, late 80s, the early one, 90s. That one season, yeah, the All-American yeah. season, he had just an absolute... Yeah, like 170 tackle. tackles or something stupid like that. And That was a lot of them. <laughs> yeah, and and that's it. we're talking completely different eras, too, because David Rill was, was in the three yards in a cloud of dust kind of thing. So yeah. everything was coming right to him, whereas Ben Burkirvin was making tackles in, in pass coverage. Yeah, and he was going sideline to sideline. Yeah, he was doing it all. And that's yeah. nothing against David Rill or Michael Jackson, who is the record holder at the University of Washington. But that just tells you how hard it is to make the kind of tackles that those guys were doing. And so for Ben Burkirvin to put up what – it was like 160, 170 tackles, whatever it was. I mean, it was absolutely stupid. And if you can get that out of Jordan Whitney, I mean, again – a plus for for you at that position, and then Randall Goforth or Ray, Randall or Ray, Raylan, 
Is Raylan go for it? Raylan. Uh, yeah, sorry. Uh, Randall go for it. I think he's his older brother, but uh, yeah, he's the one that went to UCLA. Yeah, that's right. Okay, so Raylan go forth. Um, you know, he would have started last year, but USC brought in a middle linebacker that they signed through the portal and gave an NIL deal to, and so they let him start instead. And so Raylan go forth was kind of shoved to the back, and I think you're you're probably looking at, um, you know, Eddie Ulafoshio and Raylan go forth as your two starters. Um, and, and, and then your, your main backups are going to be, or I'm sorry, Alfonso Tupatala and Raylan Goforth are probably your two starters. And then, uh, Eddie Ulafosio and, and, um, and, uh, geez, Carson Bruner are going to be your, uh, two backups. That, that's solid players that are going to be playing backup roles for you. And, and that linebacker group needs to be better than they were this year. And I think you'll start to see it. What the sad thing was Richard mole, I thought was playing really well. Um, or not Richard mole. What's his Chris name? Chris mole. Chris mole. So you know who Richard mole was, Chris? Yes. Yeah. Bull. Yeah. It was bull from the, from yeah. night court. I don't know where I got that. Anyway, Chris been watching the new night court. That's why. Yeah. Yeah. I haven't, I haven't, but oh, back okay. to the game. Back to what we're talking about. Uh, Chris Mall, uh, I thought was playing some of his best football for the Huskies in those last three or four games, and it's too bad that he the light didn't come on for him a little bit earlier, or he didn't get the playing time that he that he might have uh, warranted earlier because I think he could have had more of an impact for Washington down the down the line. So hopefully Raylan Goforth can can uh, hit the ground running with Washington this spring. Um, and and uh, have a really good fall camp and then and then have a good season for Washington because they could really, really use it. Yeah, and I, and I don't really need to spend too much more time on the 2023 class. Uh, it's wrapped up now. Um, now granted again, after spring, they could add a, you know a player or two depending on what the attrition is on Washington's end. and then clearly we're talking about Washington needs to get a quarterback at that point so that they at least go into the 2023 season with three scholarship quarterbacks instead of the two that they have right now with Sam Heward going into the portal and signing with Cal Poly. So that so that's really the only major issue, I think, going forward on trying to wrap up this 2023 class. But I just wanted to give you some space, Scott, if there's any other kind of final thoughts on what you think the 2023 class is representing and and maybe if you think there's one or two guys in this class that uh, people should watch out for in fall, that, that could maybe be impact guys. Uh, well, down down the road, I, I think that, um, you know, I, and, I, I think, and I'm not talking about portal guys. I'm talking about no, no, no. the high school no. kids down the road. I think fans are really going to be excited about Elisha Jaquette um, out of El Modena. He's an offensive tackle, 6'6", 280 pounds. I think he's a little lighter than that, actually. We'll see when he ends up showing up at the University of Washington, but, um, he is, he is absolutely special. He is going to be, his upside is off the charts. He's an NFL offensive tackle. He's, he's more athletic than Caleb McGarry and Trey, um, you know, uh, you know, the two tackles that Washington had and, um, I, I just, I'm so excited to see his development. The problem is because he's an offensive lineman, he's going to, he's going to take a while to, to really, um, 
get on the field and, and be, make an impact. He's probably at least two years away from being able to really make much of an impact. But I think he is going to be super special. Anthony James, you know, he was the highlight of the class for a long time. He dropped a little bit in the rankings. He's 6'5", 265 pounds out of Wiley East, Texas. He was committed to Texas A&M this time last year, and Washington flipped him. And so that, to me, just tells me that Washington is is going to be able to go up against people, uh, you know, other highly touted schools that that do really well with kids. Um, you know, if we're going to talk about another one, another one that I listed was Leroy Bryant uh, out of uh, Angela Rodriguez High School in Fairfield. We have him listed at six foot 175, but I've heard he's a little bit smaller than that, both height and weight. Um, he's a small guy. But the guy can absolutely cover the everybody that I talked to said he is an absolute stud. They just wish he was a little bit bigger from a frame standpoint. But um, I think he's a future NFL guy, too. He reminds me a little bit of uh, Trent McDuffie. Um, he's not quite on that level, but he's close. He's not far away. Trent McDuffie's a little bit thicker, though. If you look at Trent McDuffie, he could hold up and run support. Leo, Leroy Bryant's got some work to do to get to add a little bit more bulk, but not lose it. And then lastly, I think getting Curly Reed, you know, we've already talked about Caleb Presley. He's going to be a guy to definitely keep an eye on. But Curly Reed out of uh, Louisiana, I mean, we were talking about it. And I think the last Louisiana guy we, we remember was the uh, kid from uh, the linebacker um, that that signed with Washington out of Louisiana oh, Roussel. Yeah. Brady Roussel. And, uh, he didn't end up really doing much at the university of Washington, but Washington doesn't go into Louisiana typically and, and get guys. And they got Curly Reed. He's a little over six feet tall. He's about 180 pounds. Didn't play as a uh, junior because he blew his knee out, had a really good senior season, really flew up the charts. He's a guy that I think could be special as well. So Washington got some really good defensive backs that they can plug into their system. And they've got an anchor at the as a left tackle in Elisha Jaquette. But he's going to be a little while. So people are just going to need to be patient on him. Now, of course, I'm going to go back on my word. And I do want to talk about one of the portal guys just because I think there's a lot of intrigue. Actually, I think I'm going to talk about the, the two the two guys that I think I'm most intrigued with would be the guys that would be coming out of the portal. And those are the lower level guys. And we talked about Cal Poly getting Sam Heward. Well, Washington got a Cal Poly kid in Josh Cuevas, the tight end. And when you look at that group and you had Devin Culp and you had Jack Westover, you had Quentin uh, Moore, those were pretty much the three guys that they were having to rely on. But really, it was just Culp and Westover were their main guys. Mm -hmm. You add a guy like Josh Cuevas into this mix, 6'5", 245, 250, I think he caught – I mean, I don't. he caught a truckload of passes at Cal Poly. He was arguably one of their main threats. He was their top and receiver, I'm pretty sure. I, yeah, I, I have to go back and look statistically. But he is a guy I am really intrigued with because I think he can block a little bit. But I think he may fulfill the promise that we thought might happen with Quentin Moore in terms of being, I don't know, ne not necessarily a pure just pass receiving guy because I don't think that's true. I think he is a true two-way guy. I think he could be a – maybe a Drew Sample or a Will Disley type, mm -hmm. but he is more of the pass catcher than those guys. And I'm mm -hmm. really curious to see how Ryan Grubb can utilize him in this offense, because I think he is just ready to go. I think he is one of those lower level guys that needed to step up to truly be able to compete and see what his level is at. But I think he's got a shot. And then obviously the one that's 
just came out of nowhere that I think is so intriguing because the you lo- you watch the guy in film and he absolutely just flashes and then you remember oh yeah he's playing against I don't know Division Minnesota, Two Minnesota Men you know Mankato or something that's like mm-hmm. and that's Zach Durfee from Sioux Falls Kalen DeBoer's alma mater and even Kalen DeBoer talked about it uh, or NAIA yeah he talked about it the signing day basically like yeah we were watching guys and you know it's my alma mater I keep in touch and kind of watch guys every once in a while but I don't really it's not a real focus of my attention for obvious reasons. And then Courtney Morgan comes up to him and says, coach, um, you might want to start watching this guy because he's an absolute wrecking ball. And again, like Cuevas, he's that 6'5", 245, 250 range, really rangy athletes who can really run. And Durfee is just, I mean, I, you know, I don't know. I mean, I could go on all sorts of hyperbole on, on what he did at the lower level, but can he get it done at Washington? I think yeah. that's, obviously the biggest key and he's only played edge for a year and a half i think he's only played defense for like a year and a half yeah yeah he was a quarterback in high school yeah exactly and that's another thing that's really intriguing about it too because you know back in the day that was always a big trait for a lot of coaches out there they if they wanted to to bring in a guy who was an athlete who just happened to play quarterback at the high school level because he was their best overall player even though he wasn't necessarily skilled enough to be a quarterback at the highest levels in college, you still wanted to bring in those guys because of their intangibles, because of their leadership, the way they could rally guys, you know, around them, you know, and you've got a guy in Durfee who's a former quarterback at six, five two fifty, And he's just absolutely crushing guys on the edge. Yeah. I'm really excited to see what he can do, especially when you pair him against with a guy like an Anthony James or a Jacob Lane. Um, I think that the edge idea of what's been happening under Eric Schmidt now, when you when you had Braylon Trice and Zion Tupola Fatui and, and those guys and 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 Jeremiah Martin, who's now obviously gone, but you know now you're bringing in a Maurice Himes coming up through the ranks. So I thought flashed a little bit in the short time we got a chance to see him. So I think the edge thing is, is still very very intriguing, and obviously they bring a lot of those guys back. But I think the guys that they've added to that room are just as intriguing in my mind. So um, we're going to take a quick break, Scott. Uh, We're going to pay a couple bills here. And when we come back, we are going to uh, start ramping up on 2024. It's already happened. There is no rest whatsoever in the recruiting process. The recruiting trail moves on. And Washington has already gotten commits for the 2024 class, including a huge one yesterday at quarterback. So this is the guys from Dogman.com, Dogman Radio. We'll be right back. Introducing the two-way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the two-way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the two-way for yourself at newbalance.com. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? 
Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America NA, member FDSE. This is Chris Fetters of Dogman.com here with our recruiting editor, Scott Eklund. And we are moving on to 2024. And I know that sounds straight because it's we just got into 2023 calendar-wise. But in recruiting, as you know, Scott, we're always a year ahead. Everything is always being planned well in advance because these guys sign uh, sometimes to become mid-year guys. You never know. But it's interesting. They already have three commits for the 2024 class. They had more. We can talk about that if we want to. That's up to you. But they have three commitments now, including two quarterbacks, and which I think, if you really look at it, should not be all that surprising. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So um, tell us a little bit about initial impressions so far. We're literally 24 hours into the 2024 cycle uh but the reality is the coaches have been recruiting these guys it's been it started a long time ago yeah Yeah. um yeah as as far as you know 2024 like you said chris they have three commitments two of them are quarterbacks that shouldn't be a surprise um you know there's the rumors out there i I mean do you want to get into the rumors right now or do you want to wait I think we can just jump into whatever you okay. think is is appropriate because okay. again, well, I think we want to we want to touch on the big storylines moving into twenty twenty four, and that that's the biggest one. Yeah, let's talk about because you mentioned that we were going to talk about the two guys signing or committing yes or whatever whatever the two big announcements yesterday, and one of them was uh, Tayshawn Lyons signing uh, with Washington, which was expected, and all that. The other one that was expected was that quarterback, Austin Mack, the quarterback out of Folsom High School, 6'6", 210 pounds, was going to announce his decision, and we all felt confident it was going to be Washington. It ended up being Washington. 145 yesterday was when that commitment was made. So a lot of people have been wondering what Washington's going to do for a third quarterback, uh, scholarship quarterback. Well, there are some rumors flying around. We're still kind of waiting to see what ends up happening. There is the possibility that he could decide not to do this. But right now, the rumors going around are that he's thinking about uh, reclassifying and possibly enrolling at Washington this summer um, in time for the start of fall camp as uh, as a 2023 quarterback instead of 2024 complicating matters is the fact that he just turned 16 during the football season. I think his birthday is either in October or November. And, um, and he's, he's very young for his class. And so you're talking about a guy who at 16 years old, even though he might look like a man because he's, you know, six, six, 210 pounds, he is still only 16 years old and he will be enrolling at a college before he turns 17 now, Chris, I don't know about you at 16, but there is no freaking way I could have handled that maturity when I was 16. And so I, I think there's some people and I think there's some people in his camp who are definitely um, telling him, hey, you should probably wait. He's only had one year as a starter at Folsom High School. Uh, he's He's got them, some things that he needs to work on. I, you know, all high school quarterbacks do coming into college. So this isn't anything different than anybody else, but he's only started one year. I think he started what 14 or 15 games total. Um, get another season under your belt is what a lot of people think he should do. So we'll, we'll just have to wait and see what happens with that. But right now that's kind of um, the, the little big news that could be going on. The other two commitments are EJ Kamenong out of Garfield, the quarterback, uh, six, 295 pounds. He committed to Washington during the season and Landon Bell, 
out of Liberty High School in Henderson, Nevada. That's the same uh, high school as uh, Troy Fautanu and Jeremy Bernard, um, who is a transfer back to the University of Washington, came back um, after um, leaving Washington, going to Michigan State for a year, and then coming back. So, But Landon Bell, uh, he's a 6'3", 190-pound athlete, but Washington likes him as a wide receiver, so he'll be um, a guy – uh, to keep an eye on as well. So those are the three commitments for the 2024 recruiting class. And I posted this morning, Chris, um, an early look at some of the top 2024 guys on Washington's on Washington's board right now. It isn't all of them. There's there's other top guys. There's some top guys in the state. Braden Platt, linebacker out of Yelm. There's Jason Brown, the running back out of O'Day. Uh, um, Hunter Hansen out of, of the tight end from uh, Bellevue. Um, there's a few others, Mark, Marquan McCraney out of uh, Highline High School. That's where uh, Deontay Cooper is the head coach. So there's a lot of guys uh, locally that Washington is already in in the mix for and everything like that. Hunter Hansen's already committed to Michigan, but Washington's still recruiting him. And uh, and I, I like where Washington stands at this point. They're they're much further ahead with some of the top guys in the region and on their board than they were at this point last year. And let's go into Mac really, really quick, because obviously he's the the most recent one. Um, you know, it's funny he's listed at six six two ten. Some people think that he's six eight. I'm not sure. Yeah, exactly. he's not six eight. I've I've had people tell me no, he's six six. Yeah, I was I don't know where that necessarily came from, but he he uh, he already has a ton of offers. You talked about his age and and the fact that he really only started last year, because um, the last quarterback from Folsom that went to Washington, Jake Browning. Uh, what was he at least a three-year starter before he came to Washington maybe a four-year starter oh yeah he was he was a three and a half year starter he started the last half of his freshman year yeah and so you know you've got guys that just come in with a lot of skill a lot of things behind them and yeah. that that is the one thing that you would get if Mac did not reclassify is you would allow him a natural you know another season under his belt which I think would be really really important um, especially because the idea is, yeah, you bring him in for a number, but the idea is he would never play. And yeah. you would hope you would hope that he would kind of learn under Ryan Grubb's system. But what would be more important in his development right now? Yeah. Learning under Grubb for a year, but not playing football or playing football at the high school level at in a, in a fairly high high school level at Folsom. It's, yeah. That's so I'm glad someone else gets to make that decision because yeah. I don't yeah. know. I truly wouldn't know what's more important for his long term development. I really if, if, you know, Austin Mack isn't calling me for my advice and I'm sure you dub is glad about that. <laughs> but, um, you know, my advice to him would be stay and let Washington go get a portal guy. Um, that's that's how I think it should work. It out. seems like that would be the most reasonable approach, right? Yep. Yeah, to to me, that's probably the best approach. But you know, there, it's such a mixed bag. You you just don't know what to think. And and I just think kids need to enjoy their high school football, their high school years, because there is pressure. Don't get me wrong, but the kind of pressure that's heaped on them once they go, once they get to college, is so much different than what's heaped on them when it comes to high school football. Well, and he's in the yeah. biggest pressure position of anyone on the field. Too. Yep. Yeah, it's not like so, it's not like we're talking about him reclassifying as a, you know, place kicker to yeah. replace Peyton Henry or something. Yeah, you know, no, I mean we're not. I mean those that. Don't get me wrong. I don't. I don't want to hear from the from the from from the those specialists. guys. Yeah, I, I I get the fact that there's a very unique kind of pressure that those guys are involved in, but it's much different than quarterback. I think we yeah. can all admit that. 
Yeah, and I just I just think go enjoy your last year, enroll at Washington early next year if that's what you want to do. But um, I I really think that this is this is the best the best thing for him would be to um, stay for his senior year and then and then uh, let Washington go get a portal guy and then you know play for his senior season and then enroll at Washington in January. That's my so, opinion. Right. So Mac, obviously a ton of offers: Washington, Arizona, California, Colorado, Oregon, Oregon State, Stanford, Washington State. Those were the the Pac-12 guys that had done it. I think if he went through the camp process as a, as a full-on prospect instead of a committed player, you might see the USC and UCLA's come in yep. with offers eventually. Mm-hmm. Um, but let's talk about his game a little bit, at least what we've seen so far. I know some people on the message boards have talked about him as a right-handed Mike Penix. Um, do you see him being that kind of a guy? Because no, I, I, I mean, I don't, I'll leave it up to you. What do you think? <laughs> I, I, he, he's unique. He's got a different uh, delivery than, than Michael Penix. It's much more elongated. Penix is, is very quick and very compact. Um, you know, Michael Penix is actually more of a runner than Austin Mack is. Austin Mack isn't a statue. He remind he's honestly a, uh, a, a version of Tanner McKee to me. He's got that kind of a frame and and that kind of a delivery and that kind of a poise and presence in the pocket tanner mckee if he was playing on a team that was a little bit better stocked uh would have would have been a really successful uh quarterback at stanford as it was he was stuck in the failing years of david shaw and and so he didn't live up to his his full-on potential but i just i don't i don't see a michael Penix. i i see i see a, a tanner mckee and and I think that that is that is not a, a a bad thing. I think you could be a really really good quarterback in Washington system being a Tanner McKee because you can run a little bit, but your your main thing is sliding around, moving around, letting letting plays develop, and keeping them alive with your legs, but then getting the ball out and down the field. And I think that's what uh, um, uh, Austin Mack is. Okay. Well, I know we've got to let you go, but I do have one more question before we wrap all this yep. stuff up. It's the obvious question. It's the one that all Washington fans want to know. As soon as they've wrapped up one commit, <laughs> who's the next guy? Who who are, are there a couple on your list right now, Scott, that you think could be early commitments in 2024 for Washington? Well, um, I could see uh, I could see a guy like um, Decker DeGraff, the tight end out of Glendora that just visited Washington. I could see him being the next one to pop. Um, I could also see Corey Hall, a safety prospect out of Southern California. Uh, he's a guy who doesn't have a lot of big time offers, and a lot of people are wondering why Washington would go after him. He, it's his it's his range and his athleticism. I think the Husky uh, coaches see some untapped potential that that he has. So um, that he those are two of the guys I think you could keep an eye on as far as um, locally. Man, uh, I don't think anyone's really that close. Uh, to committing to the University of Washington, maybe a uh, Rashawn Clark, um, you know, out of Federal Way. Washington likes him as a safety um, or Husky. Um, he wants to play wide receiver, and that's why he hasn't committed quite yet. So uh, those are kind of the two. Those are kind of the three guys I could I could see as being the next. But there's a long list of guys that really enjoyed their visits to the University of Washington over over the last couple of weeks, and 
And I think Washington's going to hold some guys off until March when they when they're able to get guys back on campus. March first is when that starts, and I think they want guys to get up and take a look at at uh, spring balls, what what spring practices are like, and and kind of go from there. See, it's interesting because I'm wondering with Landon Bell already committed as a as a receiver for this 2024 class, and I don't expect them to take. Maybe he's the only receiver that they might take, but even if they only took one more. I would think there would be a rush on that particular spot yeah. when you're looking at guys, local guys like Malachi Durant from Puyallup, for instance. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I, I'm just kind of wondering if there's a situation where um, those receivers that have offers from Washington would be looking at that. You, you mentioned Corey Hall, but he's a guy, obviously, I think they would bring in probably more as an athlete at this point. Um, maybe as a receiver, who knows? But um, I'm wondering if you think receiver might be the next one to go simply because, uh, you know, the musical chairs at that particular position yeah. under Jamarcus Shepard right now, it, really, really thin. And they may just take the first guy that offers and goes for it and call it good. That's well, kind of my wa- read on it. Yeah. Washington's going to lose at least two receivers uh, following the 2023 season. For I mean, sure. they're they're losing Jalen McMillan and Romo Dunsey. This is enjoy them, folks, because this is probably the last. I mean, unless something really weird happens, this is the last time you're ever going to see them in Husky uniforms uh, this fall. Jalen Polk, hard to say, uh, depends on the kind of year he has, but I could see him leaving early. He'll be he'll have gotten his uh, degree. He could leave early, or he could decide to grad transfer to another school and maybe be a feature feature guy because I don't think he's a feature guy here. I think he's he's that complimentary third wide receiver in Washington's system. Um Taj Davis could opt to be done with with football if he has a big year. Who knows? Uh so or be done with uh college football if if he has a big year. So lots of lots of different situations that Washington is looking at. I think they're taking three wide receivers. No no question in my mind that they're okay. taking three wide receivers in the next class. In the 2024 class, they took three in this one. One's going to be a kind of scat back slot guy in Keith Reynolds. And then you've got Tayshawn Lyons and Rashid Williams. Rashid Williams, we didn't even talk about him. He's yeah. an absolute stud freak wide receiver. As long as he's healthy, he is one of the best wide receivers in the country. I think one of the reasons he was downgraded was because a lot of people didn't think he could stay healthy. So um, Washington is in really um, good shape with Jamarcus Shepard recruiting guys and with the production of the guys that they had this year, it's definitely piqued the interest of guys. Aaron Butler is a guy uh, who is committed to USC. He wants to play wide receiver. A lot of people are recruiting him on either side of the ball, but he he basically has said anybody who's not serious about me at wide receiver is not, I'm not serious about them. So yeah. he wants to play, and he's the only guy that has scheduled an unof- or an official visit so far to the University of Washington this summer, and that's on June, uh, June 23rd. Okay. So, so that's a guy that Washington is going to take no matter what. So, and, and he's listed as an athlete, but that guy is a wide receiver. If you're taking him, you're taking him as a wide receiver, or he's not staying with you. I so, think we've already identified then when the big recruiting weekend is going to be for the Huskies. Yep, it's the la- well, it's the last weekend of you know, full weekend of, uh, June. Yeah. And I'm kind of wondering if they do take three guys, which I would agree in most part, especially based on the guys that we anticipate leaving, that they won't pull the, the move again, where they supplemented a couple high school kids with another college portal guy. Yeah. And and, to try to find maybe some immediate production. Mm -hmm. Um, I, I don't know. It just, it just feels to me that that seems to be, 
kind of the formula that they are leaning on right now if they feel like they need to fit like an immediate hole. When you lose the kind of production that they will lose most likely with McMillan and Odunzi right off the bat, I mean, if it was just based on this last year, you're losing well over 2,000 yards. Mm-hmm. So I mean yep. that's that's hard to reproduce when you're just picking guys out of the out of high school and and about 130 catches. Yeah, so, and no yeah. no matter how talented a guy like Aaron Butler is, for instance, and he's extremely talented. Mm-hmm. Don't get me wrong. I mean he is a guy that could play as a true freshman without a doubt. Yep. But he is not a guy that you can count on for a thousand yards receiving as a true freshman. That's not reasonable. That's not he's not Reggie. He's not Reggie. No. Williams. No, and, and, and Reggie Williams is, didn't Reggie, even have that in a prolific passing offense. Yeah, and you're talking about a, a guy in Reggie Williams that was six four two twenty. Yeah, I mean, and he and like I said, Chris, he didn't even have a thousand yards as a freshman yeah. in a in an offense that threw the ball around a lot. Right. So yeah. All right. Well, good. So Scott, any final thoughts um, on what we're on what's going on moving forward? Anything that uh, Washington fans need to be aware of, either camps or you know. Anything yeah. else that you think is going on with recruiting? Well, camp season really kicks off in March. Um, I mean, we've been to a few of the seven-on-sevens. The seven-on-sevens are going on, you know, every weekend almost. And, you know, some of them are bigger than others. The pylon one last weekend that, that Taylor Barton hosted was pretty big. I'm sorry, the pylon one two weeks ago was pretty big. And the seven-on that Taylor Barton hosted last week was huge. There was the 93 teams there. Yeah, yeah the, the Space, Space Needle, Needle Classic. Yeah, even though it was in Linwood. <laughs> but they yeah. called it the Space Needle Classic. But um, you know, there's, there's seven on seven tournaments going on all the time and, and everything like that. But Under Armour, uh, next, uh, camps are starting in, um, in, uh, March and I'll be at the Dallas one and I'll be at the, uh, LA one. So those are ones where Washington has a lot of recruits that they're looking at. That'll be going to those two, the, those two, uh, those two camps. And so I'll be at those, um, you'll see the all poly camp in Utah and sometime in the spring, Washington's got their their camp sessions already uh, up. Kids signing up for those. So, um, you know, the next things that people need to be looking for, there is going to be a woof, I think, another woof or two before spring football. I told people that that's in April. So you're probably looking at over the next two months, you know, you're, you're probably going to see some guys pop. And then uh, spring football kicks off end of March, last last week of March. And uh, spring game is, from what we've heard, it's expected to be April 22nd. So people need to mark that down on their calendar. But right now, on the recruiting front, you're not going to see as many blogs from me as as things have kind of cooled down just a little bit. Not a lot, but a little bit. So you're probably not going to be seeing a weekly blog from me for at least a little while, probably till March. Um, you know, I might do two this month and, and just see where things are at. Because the coaches aren't out on the road. Players can't visit campus. So... Um, this one's kind of a lull in the uh, recruiting calendar. Yeah, Scott will come up for air for a little bit, but the reality is recruiting is 24-7, 365 nowadays, and, and Courtney Morgan and his staff at Washington are always looking at tape. They're always making phone calls. They're always doing this and that to make sure that they're on top of it, and obviously they finished off 2023 strong, and they're off and running for 2024 already, as we've seen. So um, we're going to finish it off there. I appreciate it, Scott, for all the amazing information on all these guys. And uh, so we'll leave it there. So this is uh, Chris Fetters of Dogman.com with Scott Eklund, our recruiting editor. Go dogs. What if 
I told you imaginary friends are real? This is just so exciting. This Friday, get ready for the movie event with the greatest cast you've ever imagined. Showtime. Ryan Reynolds, John Krasinski, Kaylee Fleming, Fiona Shaw, Phoebe Waller-Bridge, Louis Gossett Jr., Matt Damon, Emily Blunt, George Clooney, Maya Rudolph, Bradley Cooper, Sebastian Maniscalco, John Stewart, Sam Rockwell, Aquafina, Keegan-Michael Key, and Steve Carell. I need to throw up or I need a snack. It's one of the two. Gross. If. Ready PG. Parental guidance suggested. Written and directed by John Krasinski.